Welcome to The Rest of Us. My name is Noah Hutton, and I'm your host. Each week, I'll have a new entrepreneur on to talk about their story, their struggles, and their lessons learned. My guest this week is Isaac Ross. He is a videographer. He goes to Purdue University, um, and he's still really early in his career as a videographer, but still has a lot of talent and a lot of experience with uh, doing videography as a business. So I'm really excited to share his story and talk about some different things with him. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Isaac Ross. Isaac Ross, welcome to the Rest of Us podcast. Thank you for having me, Noah. It's a pleasure. So yeah, so um, I actually found Isaac online on Instagram through my friend Sam Mark. Um, he was just recommending me people to have on the podcast, and Isaac was one of them. Um, so before we get started into your story, let's just have you introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm my name is Isaac Ross. Um, so I do freelance videography in the indie area right now. I'm finishing up school actually at Purdue University, so I'm in Lafayette. But yeah, I'll be graduating in May and then just be going full-time with my freelance video business, um, specializing in wedding video and corporate video. So yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, I, w- I definitely want to get into how you're going f- uh, full-time freelance right out of college because I think that's something that's something that I had like kind of struggled with, um, with like, do I do that or not? And I ended up doing it, but um, kind of. But uh, we can kind of get into that more. So before we get there, let's just kind of start with your story, um, where kind of video came into your life and photography and kind of how you got into that as a hobby and a passion. For sure, for sure. So I, yeah, I guess if we go way back, um, my passion started, it was, it was stemmed pretty early on. We would, my, my family and I, my siblings, we would make skits um, growing up. We would make you know, skits where we'd film them on iMovie, then my older sister would actually edit them. So that's how I kind of got introduced to the whole video thing, the iMovie thing. Um, and then from there, I got my first GoPro in seventh grade. It was a Christmas present. I was like, this is insane. So yeah, I would film everything I could, get everything I could film, I would do it. Um, I would, yeah. I'd make all these little like stupid GoPro videos all through high school. Looking back, I thought they were insane when I was younger. But looking back, I'm like, oh. Yeah, but yeah. they were fun to film. Um, and it definitely kickstarted my passion. Cause so then from there, I kind of realized, or I was hoping I can make, turn this passion into like a reality and a job in college. So I went to Purdue university for mass communication, media and mass com. So I didn't actually get my first real camera though, until going into my sophomore year. Um, but then I just kind of got the ball rolling pretty quick. So once I got my first camera, I guess the rest was history. And I just kind of, yeah. maybe we can dive into that a little later on. Yeah, yeah. How I actually turned it into a full-time freelance thing, but yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're in high school, I mean, I feel like when we were in high school, um, like GoPros were like the thing to have. Like I never had one, but like I know so many people that had one and like you take it on the lake or you take it snowboarding or skiing or you just attach it to whatever you have and you like use it skateboarding, whatever it is. So I, I definitely remember those days of like GoPro being a really big thing. And, um, but kind of in college or in high school, you were, you were making all these videos kind of doing like skits and stuff. Um, in high school, did you have any, like, were you doing any like work outside of like school? And like, you were like, I want to do video. I'm going to like get, like learn the things here and then do it in college. Or was it kind of just like, I'm going to go to college for communications and the video will kind of come as I like, kind of grow and maybe get more gear and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess going into college doing video, I didn't really know what expectations to have. Um, kind of just being grown up in like a community where I guess the um, job professions that were preferenced and like I was told to do were like engineering, um, you know, some sort of medical field like nursing, pharmaceuticals, you know, you name it business. It's like, those were kind of expected, I guess, of me. Um, doing something like video was completely unorthodox. It's like, why, why are you doing video? That's not, that's something that's not going to be consistent income. Like I started getting that backlash from people when I told them I was going to school for video, especially only owning a GoPro in high school. They were like, dude, come on. Like, are you actually serious about this? Like it was fun in high school, but can you actually turn it into a profession? Um, but I, th- I think I always had trust and faith in myself that I would be able to make it into something full time. I knew my abilities, whether my videos actually spoke for it or not at the time, I kind of always had that faith. 
um, but I can make it work. Yeah, definitely. I think confidence is so important, whether you're like in a, in your career and doing full time freelance now, or like just getting started. It's like having that confidence to um, bring like or to to grow the business and be like, I can do this. It might take me a little bit of time, but I can do this. Like that's kind of that's something that I I learned very fast. Like you can you can really go into anything if you have the confidence to do it, even if the money maybe isn't there. The money will come eventually if you're a good and b you have the passion for mm-hmm. it and you love the work. It, it might take a little bit longer than you think, and it definitely will. But um, the money will definitely come along with kind of the passion, the skill, and the hard work um, and stuff like that. You just have to be really confident in yourself um, and have that focus and that vision of what the future could look like because that's like what's going to get you through the times of the doubt and the the people, the backlash, the people that say like, oh, that's not a real job. Like, go get an engineering job. Go work for you. I really do this or whatever. Like, that's, what, that's, that's how that's going to help you push uh, through all of that. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. And I'm yeah. thinking along with that, it's like, yeah, when I first started, I guess my thought process was start getting going with it. Um, that was my mentality was, Hey, I'm not going to be getting paid like 10,000 bucks for the first gig I do sophomore year. You know, I just got my first camera. I really had to have that grind mentality. And it was like, I just got to start, get this camera. I did. I had to go into debt for my first camera. Um, at the time going into my sophomore year, I was working like two jobs. I was working a full-time freelance. I was working a full-time position with a, um, studio videography company called FME studios in Indy. It was unpaid. So I was doing that. And then I was working in the evening. So I was doing, I was pretty much working two jobs, um, to save up for that first camera. The first one was just for experience. But then after that, it was really very much that grind mentality, you know? So those gigs I was getting, those first few gigs I was getting, like you bet your bottom dollar that I wasn't getting paid to do those. It was something I was doing for free. I was like, I got to build a portfolio somehow. Um, And that's how I was doing that. So it was kind of a slow methodical process where um, at first I wasn't getting paid. And then the more I kind of honed my craft, um, I could start getting paid a little bit, save up some money and then buy a gimbal and then then continue to improve my craft and then get paid a little more. yeah. So it was kind of yeah. that. Definitely. Process. So so that that gig with the studio, FME Studios, you said, how did you how did that come come about and why were you necessarily okay with being unpaid? Did you kind of see the potential for it? Or was it like this is just a risk I'm gonna take? It might turn into something, it might not. I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah, it was definitely a risk, but I kind of knew I wanted I just needed to get my feet wet. So and that was the best way to do it. I was like, I just gotta I didn't really know too much at that point. Like I was saying, I I barely, I just got my first camera right at the start of that. So it was right after COVID as well. So it was just a weird time in general because COVID just started at that point. And then I started in May of that COVID year and I kind of just wanted to absorb and soak in as much information as possible. That was my main goal that summer was just to sink in and absorb information. Um, so that's, that's what I did. Yeah. I was a sponge, sure. was a sponge that summer. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I got my start. My start too. I interned for this guy in my local community. That like I I think he's like one of the best in, to do it in the area um, and in the country, in my opinion. But definitely in the area. And I was just like, I'm gonna go with him and just shadow him and learn with him and edit and do whatever. Like take the footage that he has and edit because I I didn't I didn't know how to edit video yet. So like I knew like the basics, but like I need to actually learn and stuff. So I was like, no, what better way to do it than to find the best person you can and learn from them because you admire their work. And so that's it's a great way to do it. Um so sophomore year you get your camera um and you're doing all this free work or all some free work to kind of get the experience. What was the turning point where you were like, okay, I have I have the work I can charge a little bit. And what, what did you charge for that first project? What was the first project that you charged for? How did you determine that? Um, and how did you determine like, this is the time where I can charge money for this project? Mm. So that's a great question. I'm trying to remember what the first time I actually got paid for was. So I, I did a shadow opportunity sophomore year winner for a wedding. I just followed someone along that exactly what you were saying I liked what they did. And I was like, I'm just going to go along with them. Wasn't getting paid, but I just wanted to sink in information. Um, from there, I, I did one thing for like a, a Purdue club actually called the, it's called PCMA. I forget the actual acronym, but it's a, they, it's a, like a wedding planning group almost within the school of hospitality. And they put on like a wedding 
expo, I guess, where wedding vendors come and, um, yeah, wedding vendors come to a certain location and then brides and protect like new brides and grooms come to just look at different tables. So they actually it's put on all by Purdue students and they knew I, one of my friends actually worked was one of the, was the president of the club. So she asked me if I could do a video for it. Cause it was a virtual event that year. So that's kind of what got the ball rolling. Um, I got paid, I want to say $200 for that, probably for 15 hours of work. So that was interesting. Um, but I was like, I was so happy to have that as my first oh, yeah. gig. And then from there, that was in March and April through word of mouth, I was able to get my first wedding gig for that, um, which was awesome. So I think I got paid $600 for that wedding. And it was just a friend whose sister is getting married. He's like, she's like, actually you do video, right? I was like, yeah, I do. I'm like, well, my sister's kind of looking for a last second thing. So I was like, yeah, I can do really cheap and then do, pretty much do whatever they wanted, you know? So yeah. that one was my first wedding. I, um, had to, again, kind of grind. I'd do some like door dashing to get a microphone for that wedding yeah. <laughs> that I could use. Um, and then from there, that was kind of like my, my real starting point for wedding video is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my first gig was also like $200. I remember it was a, it was an Airbnb and I was like, I was in the part, I did two free, free shoots for real estate. And I was like, I could do maybe a couple more. I, I might be able to charge, but like, I should probably, I should probably do a couple more just to get more, more portfolio pieces. And I remember they were saying, I was working with the designer of the Airbnb and they're like, no, the the owner will pay you to do this. And I'm like, Oh, this is the time. Like I can actually start getting paid for the work and stuff like yeah. that. So like, I remember, I definitely remember that, uh, that first gig of getting paid and such a good mm-hmm. feeling to like finally be like, have the, what you're working for to like get paid for that. Um, and even, yeah, it's like 200 bucks here, a hundred bucks here, 300 bucks, 600 bucks, whatever it is. Like you start just anything and like charging for your work because that helps you get into the mindset of when people ask like, how much do you, how much do you charge? That's like that was like the hardest question for me to answer in the first like oh, you yeah. know, year. It's like how much do you charge? It's like well, I, I don't know. I, what yeah. what's your? I don't know. Like I just don't know what I don't know what that is. So it's it's like such a hard question to answer. But once you like get into the earlier you can get into that mindset of charging for your work and answering that question, the easier it gets. Because I just got like this morning I was talking to a guy and he's like, you know, send me over your rates for this project. And if he had asked me like you know like, three months ago, I would have been like, uh, I don't have rates yet. But it, like you know now it's like okay, I can like kind of you know, my hourly, my day rate, my half day rate, all this kind of stuff, you can kind of send it over. And that's because I got practice with people like asking or charging for my work, figuring out what my time is worth and what I could actually charge to make a living because my goal is to go full time with this like you are. And like I'm going full time later this year, but um in the in the in the beginning, like it was like you have to figure out what to charge to um to make a full living. It's such a hard like thing to figure out. So like what was what was your kind of journey with like figuring out how to price yourself? Cause I feel like everybody has kind of a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. That's an amazing question. So to bounce off of that, when you were talking, I was thinking in my own mind, the first time I got paid for that wedding gig, mm-hmm. I, it was that same thing. I approached them. I was like, Hey, I'll actually like, you don't even have to pay me. Like I'll do this wedding for free. They're like, Oh no. She, I told my friend whose sister was getting married. She was like, oh no, like she'll pay you money. I was like, well, really? Yeah. It was kind of came as a shock. I was like, oh wait, I can actually get paid for this. So that first time getting paid was so rewarding. So I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is something uh, where it's gotten to a point where people want to pay me for my skills. And it, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it was so shocking. And then from, yeah, I guess pricing myself, it was a whirlwind. It was like, I definitely wasn't valuing my time enough at the beginning I'd be like, whoa, how, how, what's your budget? And then I'd yeah. be like, it was, um, I've, I think the more and more I've grown, the more confident I've become in my quality of my work. Um, the price points of my work where it's like, Hey, my prices are X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Oh, like that's, you need to do like a thousand bucks cheaper. Like that probably won't work or I'll try to accommodate of course for their budget, but I have a lot more confidence to turn people down. Whereas I used to not at the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I've, I uh, heard another photographer say it really well. And I like this idea a lot of like, you go to somebody and they're like, okay, what's your rate? And they say like, you kind of have that back and forth of like, what's your rate? What's your budget? What's like, how how much like we can, we can work in there and you can kind of tell them like, if you don't really know, you can say like, we can do this project for 500 bucks. We can do this project for a thousand bucks. We can do this project for $10,000. Kind of just depends on what all you want. 
Um, and that was something that I, uh, I really liked because you don't really know like kind of where, what is going to scare them off and what is going to be too cheap for you. Like you have to kind of find that balance of like, do I, you know, push that price to a couple thousand dollars more than I think they'll pay because they might pay it or like, will that just scare them off completely and you lost the client? That's such a hard like Mm -hmm. question to answer. So, but I liked it. Or I like that you have like the confidence now to say like, you know, my rate is this for a project and I won't go any lower than that. Or like we can maybe work it out to where like I go, you know, $250 lower or 500 bucks lower to get the project. But like anything lower than that, like it may not, it might not work out there. Um, and you talked about kind of you, so you said you're, you're a wedding corporate videographer. Um, you also talked about, or when we were meeting before, um, you had some gigs that you were like, I just did it because like somebody asked me or I just did it because it really pays well or I don't really want to do them going forward. So kind of talk about that, um, those type of gigs and like how you're thinking about them now and like how you're pricing those gigs now. Hmm. Certainly, certainly. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people need videos. So like definitely a lot of people will hit me up with whatever organization they're in asking for a video here and there. And exactly what you were saying, what I was saying earlier, like the more and more you grow, more confident you become. And like most clubs at Purdue aren't going to have a budget. If I'm being honest with them, that like they can afford me. So it's just like, it's just being honest with them being like, Hey, like, unfortunately, like I, I will um, cost money just because I have to pay for this equipment. I have to, and I'll try to, cause I, 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 do, I struggle with saying no. Um, yep. That's something I got to continue to grow in, especially if it's someone who's a friend or, yeah, someone who's a friend, I really struggle saying no to. Yeah, or family. Like, I always, I always had a hard time saying no to family. They're like, "Hey, like, come out to this and just shoot this real quick." It's always like, "Oh, just take a few photos or take yeah. a, a little video." And I'm like, "That's not how that works." There's yeah, a, there's exactly. A lot more in there. Yeah, like when a friend just asked me, they're like, "Well, you, you're going to do my senior pictures for free, right?" I'm like, "Okay." So it was hard. It was really hard in those in those moments to say no because I love them. You know, I want, I would like to do that. But obviously, I only have so much time on my hands, and it's like, it's like if I wanted to do all my friends' pictures for free, heck, I would be, I would be booked yeah. out the entire month of April just taking pictures for people, and that's not respecting my own time. So, exactly, um, yeah, yeah. So, but you had some, you had some work. I know you've done like some sorority videos and stuff like that. You talked about how like they're they they're like you don't necessarily enjoy that work or maybe like you want to kind of move on, move to a different way. So like talk about how like you're thinking about some of that work and like pricing it really high. So you only have a couple clients, stuff like that. Cause I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really important to not only like price yourself the what you're valued, but also like choose your clients because like if you price really high and they're willing to pay it, then that's great for you and it makes you worth your time because, but if you price normally and you're not really enjoying it, then is it really worth your time? I think that's something that a lot of people maybe struggle with in the beginning because you're trying to just like, Oh, I'll just get any, I want any client, any video, any event, whatever I can do to get, to get paid. But if you don't enjoy it, that makes that event a lot harder to do and that video, a lot harder to edit. Certainly. So that's where I've been put in a unique position that I'm thankful for. So like sorority videos, I filmed three sorority videos last, last year. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier is, and you were saying is understanding the value that you have that you can bring to them. So having confidence to maybe charge those, you know, higher budget prices that might feel maybe even a little uncomfortable to tell them. But I've found a lot of them saying yes, just because like for them, it's like they want to pay for that quality. Um, But yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, Oh, I will charge that a lot higher than, cause I just don't get as much fulfillment from that as I might with, um, doing some church videography. So that's something that I really feel fulfillment and, um, yeah, I feel fulfillment from is doing videography with my church and obviously they're not going to have a high budget. And most of the time I honestly don't charge them. Um, but doing those gigs actually leaves me room to do gigs where I really feel a lot of fulfillment doing videography for like the kingdom of God, you know, fulfilling yeah. that actually is, I've found the most fulfillment from in my videography journey, I guess. So that's been fun. Definitely. It's all, it's all about kind of doing, I I always like, so like I'm going full time and I'm doing it to get, like to be able to do work that I really enjoy because like I was getting, I was getting to the point where maybe I was getting a little burnt out or I was doing like work that I was just doing for the money or I was just doing it because I wanted to build my portfolio. I didn't really enjoy it. And I was just delivering the product and moving on. But 
I, I, there was a time where I was creating videos, especially for Dance Marathon at Purdue, where I was creating videos. And I was so excited to show everybody that video. I was so excited for it to get posted on social media and to send to my execs and to send to the, the committee and say like, hey, look at this great video that we did for this event or this fundraising challenge or this. And I like had the creative vision and I had the editing and I was editing in my head and like I was directing it and everything. And I loved it. I haven't done mm. one of those in a long time and I, I miss it. And so like, I think it's so important to not only do the work that you're getting hired for. Obviously, you're going to take clients, you're going to work with them, you're going to create the best videos you can. That's part of our job. But also like finding those projects that are really fulfilling for you. So like for me, it might be for a charity, I'm really like Briley Hospital. Or if I do one for, you know, Dance Marathon, or if I do it for, you know, another charity that I'm really passionate about, you know, mm-hmm. ALS Foundation is something that I'm really, really, really passionate about. So if I ever got a chance to work with them or a local chapter or whatever, like that would be something I would love to do. And I, I may not charge for it. I may like kind of reduce my rate there because I'm passionate about the work. Same for you with your church. Like you're, you're like, I want to give back to this community that has given me so much, you know, let me hop on, you know, doing AV for the, 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 sermon or let me do like this video for the baptism or whatever it is like you're doing the videos because it's so fulfilling and you enjoy it a lot more and that makes the job so much easier i think if you enjoy the work and Mm. you're like i'm getting something out of this that isn't necessarily monetary monetary that's like so much better than um maybe doing the work that you're just doing because you're like part of your job because i think like people always see videographers and they're like oh they're doing what they love and they got to make a career out of it that's great but it is still a job in a sense that like you're, you may do some of the work that you're not necessarily passionate about, but it's just part of your job. I think that that kind of comes with any job creative or not, which is something Mm. that I kind of figured out and like kind of learned like as I go is like some of the, some of the work I'm not going to enjoy as much, but it's just part of the job and I got to I kind of have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So, um, Let's kind of move on into so you you got your first wedding client. Um, talk about kind of how you started to grow that business and grow kind of your business in college because you talked about like working all these jobs and you know doing free work and now you have your first paid client. Like where were you? You talk about, like clubs obviously were kind of a, a bigger thing for you, but how did you start find, finding clients and getting those clients? Was it all word of mouth? Did you advertise? What did you do there? Yeah, so. It was, I think that question can be answered. There's a lot of different things I did maybe to kind of kickstart that. The biggest one being I had to take a leap of faith. So I had to take a leap of faith, trust in the Lord that he would guide me. So I, you know, started my first Instagram page and that was something that I struggled with just from my own insecurities. I was like, okay, so I'm going to start this Instagram. I'm probably going to get judged by others for, oh, he's only got a hundred followers and he's got like this stuff on his Instagram that it's like, okay, well, video work. So I was kind of running through those, that aspect of like getting judged, but I had to take that leap of faith, get that Instagram going. And then from there, it was kind of just like continuing to grow that kind of helped with that word of mouth aspect and being able to show kind of the world what I do. Cause I haven't, I hadn't at that point really done that. So going into junior year, I started at Instagram, um, had to take that leap and just get that going. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was where I, that same summer, I started my website and that's kind of where like Isaac Ross videography really started was going into my junior year. So the way I was starting to get my gigs actually was from, was through getting contracted out. So there's a few videography teams in Indiana, such as like complete weddings and events or like Tolman media, where I would do, they would, they just hire out a videographer to film it. And then they send the footage to someone else to edit. So I, I started doing gigs for them to kind of build up my wedding portfolio. If that makes sense. So if I'm being honest, like I was almost advertising them as if it was my own client, not like I wasn't obviously saying that, but I would just be like, I had a blast filming this wedding. And I would, even though someone else was editing the main product for them, I would still take my best shots from that and kind of showcase that. And then the more and more I did that, I started hearing like slowly but surely people being like, Oh, can you just film the wedding for me? And then it would be like through my own company where I would be yeah. getting paid more, you know, cause I'd be doing the editing as well. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that I've, I've always like kind of gone back and forth with. It's like, do I want to outsource my editing or do I want to keep my editing in house? Because like I enjoy editing to a point, but I also enjoy shooting to a point. And it's like, like as I grow my company, as I start like, 
to hire maybe hire people in the future or at outsource things like is is the is the product like are you going to do the whole thing and is that your whole product or are you going to do only the shooting and then like how do you like kind of balance that so like did you were you like kind of missing the editing or were you okay with just like shooting it and then sending it off because like that's kind of less work for you and you enjoy the shooting more how did you think about those kind of jobs in the in the beginning certainly i Honestly, I, I'd prefer to edit more than I, or I prefer to film more than I like to edit. So it didn't bother me too much at all because I definitely prefer to film. I like to be, you know, talking with the client. Um, I enjoy that aspect of it because I'm a people person. So I'm definitely, and I enjoy the wedding atmosphere. Like that's something that I know some vid- wedding videographers kind of want to get started with that to start their video journey and then move away from that, maybe do more corporate stuff. I really, I love filming throughout the wedding day. That's my favorite thing. And then editing is some, is a part that I still enjoy a little bit, um, or I still enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it nearly as much as I do filming. So I didn't struggle yeah. with that at all. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where I'm looking into outsourcing my video editing. Um, but I'm, yeah, I guess I'm struggling with maybe that might lower the quality of it, but yep. yeah, I guess I got a question for you then. Would you, would you say that you prefer to maybe do more like more overhead stuff like client communication and like pre pre-production process communicating with the clients and stuff? And then like, is that your end goal to contract out filmers and editors and then kind of be that guy where you're like, I guess the face yeah. where people talk with you kind of manage the business. Yeah. I've, I've thought about it a lot, honestly, because I really enjoy the business side of, of business and kind of like, I enjoy, you know, talking with my accountant and I enjoy talking to the lawyers and like, the insurance people. Like I like the kind of the nitty gritty stuff that nobody really enjoys. Like I enjoy that because it's just, it's all about building a business and doing all of the kind of quote unquote adult stuff that comes with like a business, which I've, I've enjoyed kind of learning about. Um, and like, it was weird. Like today I, I talked to an insurance guy this morning and I was like, Hey, like, do you do drone insurance? Cause I need to get insurance for my drone. And like, I don't know why, but I was like happy because I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm like starting this thing. So I do enjoy the business side of it. Um, and also I love the pre-production side. I love talking to clients, what their vision is. And like, even before they, they like say what they want. I'm like, they're like, okay, we want a podcast or whatever. Like that's, that's a couple of my clients right here. They're like, we want a podcast. I'm like, okay, so you need three cameras, you need this light, you need this thing, you need like, we're going to set up this, we're going to have a slider, we're going to do like this chair this way. Like, I'm already like, I have it in my head, like what they need to do. I love that kind of those kind of meetings. And then in the shoot days, I do enjoy too, because it's kind of like, we're in it, we're doing it for, you know, six, seven, eight hours, whatever it is. Um, so I kind of enjoy both, but editing is definitely something that I don't enjoy as much as I, I do. And it's really different depending on the project. If it's a passion project, like, something that I have a vision for in my head and like how to construct it that I really enjoy. But if it's like I'm shooting this and we're going to kind of just build a montage video, that's kind of something I don't enjoy as much because I'm like, I don't really have a vision for it. We're just kind of kind of um, put together some clips. And that's something I may need to figure out because I should have a vision for it and kind of shoot it with a vision in mind. Um, but my kind of goal is to more of like build a studio of like, and have like in-house shooters of like, okay, we're going to build a team. We're going to have a color guy. We're going to have an audio editor. We're going to have a production manager. We're going to have a, a couple of shooters. We're going to have, you know, uh, maybe a drone pilot or like one of our shooters is a drone pilot. And then kind of like have that because I, I feel like it's always better. Like I want, I want to learn everything. I want to do everything. I want to learn how to do after effects and, you know, all this kind of stuff, all the, you know, motion graphics and editing and uh, audio editing and audio production. I want to learn it all and I want to do it all. But by doing that, I'm not going to be able to specialize and kind of, I'm not going to be great at one thing when I maybe should have or should be. So I think in the future, I really want to outsource that to find the people that like really love color grading or really love editing. And they just want to edit all day. They'll do like five videos in a day because they just love editing. Like I want to find those people and like hire those people or maybe like outsource depending on like how the company goes. But because I think that bringing together a team, I love working in teams. I love working in groups. I loved group projects in college. I know people don't, but I loved group projects because you just bring together all these different ideas um, into the team. So, like, long story, or to say to answer your question in a really long way, basically, I would uh, I want to build a team because I love working on a team and I love having ideas bounce off of each other. And um, I think that's just kind of how I want to build it because. Like entrepreneurship is lonely, and like I need, I need that people. That's why I started the podcast. That's why I like I'm going to networking events and stuff. Like I love talking to people, 
and like bringing on a business partner or bringing on a team member to kind of go back and forth with like, Hey, I have this idea. Okay. Let's try it this way. Let's shoot it this way. I, I love that. And I really want that for my business. So I'm looking to build out our team in the future, um, depending on how the business goes and how fast I can get that together because I kind of want to grow it that way. Um, and I also like really want to focus on growing the business um, as opposed to just doing all the work because that's not sustainable if I'm just doing it all on my own. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So you want to be part of a team. I totally can kind of relate where you're saying there's definitely that loneliness aspect where if you're doing freelance and it's just by yourself and mm-hmm. say, I'm just sitting in my room and like I'll film with the clients one day, but then just be doing editing the other five days of the week. Yeah. Um, in my room, like it can definitely get, um, a little, little lonely, I guess. So I like that aspect of like just building a team and maybe even having a brick and mortar location one day would be oh, yeah. pretty cool. I definitely want to have you can go in and just have, yeah. Yep. I, I want to have, whether it's like my, I convert my garage at my house or I have a full on like build somewhere. Like I want to have a place where I can go and do my work and then like keep my house separate because I just, I think that that's so necessary because like right now I'm at home. I know I have, I work at this desk where we're recording right now, but I also have, you know, I have my other work that I do or I have my Xbox that I want to play. And like, it's just all in the same area. So it's hard to like kind of separate out like the work and the pleasure and like family and all this kind of stuff. Like if you need to focus, like I would love a place to go to focus. That's why I love college Mm -hmm. so much is like, if I need to focus, I'm going on campus. I can't focus on my apartment. Like I want to go to Croc or I want to go to, you know, Craner or Rawls or wherever the union, like, so I, that's kind of my idea is to build out kind of a place where I can go work and keep my work there. Um, because I it just, I want it to be separate and I want to kind of build out a team there. And the other thing with building on a team is like, you're going to find people that are just as passionate or even more passionate about the work that you're doing than you. So like you can bring on this team and create something together and everybody's going to be excited with it. Whereas if you go to like your friends who are in a different industry or your parents or family members, you're like, look how cool this video is. And they don't really get mm. it. They don't see, they're like really proud of you and they love it, but they don't see all the nuances that somebody that worked on it with you or like somebody that's in the industry is they, they will see all the nuances of like how cool that shot was because it was so hard to get or how cool that color grading looks like. And like people don't understand that. So I want to have, I want to build people around me that understand that so that um, I can feel supported and kind of share that passion with other people. If that makes sense. Yeah, bro. It's exciting to like talk with people, even like we're doing right now that are in the industry. I find it so energizing because yes. I only get those conversations like once every few weeks. And then when I get that opportunity to maybe I even see a guy walking around with a camera on campus, I always have to go and say what's up because just have it's energizing having those conversations yeah. about um, just about our passions, you know, and having people with the same passions is awesome. Yep. And I'm thinking too, it's like, like I'm, I'm in my apartment room right now. I'm, I'm at Purdue. Obviously I'm a little restricted being in an apartment at Purdue. Like that work-life separation is and balance is essential. And it's like, yeah, my bed's right here. And then my yep. desk is right here. Yep. Cause I don't want to put my desk in the living room or I'll get distracted a bunch. So yeah. I know for a fact when I'm, once I graduate, like I'm, I want to have a separate location where I'm doing my work, separate location where you know, I'm sleeping and then a separate location where I can be with my family talking and stuff. So yeah, a hundred percent. Like I want, I want like, if I don't like get a studio, I want to at least have an office in my house because I want to like leave my computer in there. And I want to be like, I can go out of my office and go to the living room and go to the the kitchen or whatever and not have my stuff here. Cause this is like my, I live at this desk. Like I'm working all the time. I eat here. I'll eat like lunch here or whatever breakfast. I'll bring my coffee here. Like I want a place that's separate. I guess I kind of want to ask you now. Um, what what is your vision? Are you seeing Are you seeing yourself freelancing the whole time? Are you seeing yourself kind of? You talked about a brick and mortar location. Like, do you see yourself kind of expanding into like a full on like production company? Like, how do you see that kind of growing um, as you like build out your business and graduate? For sure. So, yeah, that's something that I'm trying to discover right now. I don't have an answer for you right now, and I'm I'm praying with it just trying to like ask the Lord where I need to be guided with my aspirations. Do I want to build out a team? Do I want to stay solo? Cause I enjoy aspects of both. Um, 
So I guess through prayer, I've kind of discovered more and more like the Lord calling me to reveal him in a beautiful way through videography and try to bring Christ to others. So I feel like that looks in so many different ways and that doesn't necessarily even have to be for a, for a like church or a nonprofit company. Although those are also amazing ways. And I feel a lot of fulfillment through those, even just with like corporate clients that, you know, are contributing to society with their unique gifts for a finance team or a like, Mm -hmm. you know, massage therapist or whatever it might be like, just like filming their unique story and bringing like, what their passion is to light in a through the power of video storytelling is so powerful. And I I know, I just, I know I'm staying within video and I know I like Mm -hmm. to shoot and talk with clients. There's no question about that. And I just feel a lot of fulfillment from that. I also feel a lot of fulfillment from doing like wedding videography, like filming the sacrament of holy matrimony for people on the biggest day of their lives. You know, Mm -hmm. I find some people kind of find it monotonous, but I, I just get energized through it. And that's a good way of, recognizing kind of where I found where I want to end up is if I'm feeling energized from it, if it's, there's that old saying where it's like, you know, if I guess I'm blanking on the saying, it's, it's that saying where it's like, you know, if you enjoy what you do, then you're never going to work a day in your yeah, life, yeah. I guess. Yep. It kind of have that mentality where it's like, if I'm feeling energized from something and I don't feel like I'm working when I'm doing it, cause I enjoy it so much and I can make that into a, full-time thing, then yeah, I'm just going to keep rolling with it. So not to say that I shouldn't be looking for growth opportunities, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've always found that I love watching other people do what they love and like seeing that. And so like being able to show that through video is like something I really enjoy. So like whether that is, um, well, I like an example of this, my sister, she did dance for like 16 or 17 years and like, like all through like elementary uh, middle of high school and like i love going her, to her recitals because i just love seeing her do the thing that she enjoyed the most which is dance mm-hmm. and like it kind of continues on through video whether it's real estate and seeing like the realtor interact with the client or it's through corporate and like i'm doing you know um i'm working with a, a brokerage down in lafayette and like their big thing is like building this team and building this kind of like family idea of like a team and growing together mm-hmm. and learning together and all this kind of stuff and I, i'm excited to showcase that because i can see the passion from them and whatever like that is with other clients, whether it's farmers or whether it's, you know, people like that are uh, RV manufacturers or whatever it is, like all these different clients, as long as I'm being able to showcase like what they love, that's my biggest thing is like, I love mm. showcasing what other people love to do. Um, and I use my skills and my time to show that or to do that. So like, it's kind of a win-win situation. And like, we talked about like, maybe like doing stuff that we don't enjoy, but at the end of the day, like, those people do enjoy it. And so like we are there to kind of help capture that and then mm. use our skills to, to showcase that. And um, I think it, it can, if you think about it that way, it can kind of help the work that you maybe don't enjoy as much. Like you're seeing the people and doing the, like enjoying themselves and that is worth it's worth it in the end. I think even if you didn't enjoy the project or you're not passionate about the work that they do, they are and mm. you're there to capture that. No question. And I think something that I, and you can certainly relate to is get a significant amount of joy from is seeing the interaction, having that interaction with the client when you give them the final product and they're just like, Whoa, this is, this is awesome. You know? And it's, it, it, that, that feels good because at the end of the day, like the, every video I make for a client, it's not, it's not what, it's not my video. It's theirs. They're going to be the, for a wedding, they're going to be the one watching it in 20 years, not me. So same thing with the corporate client. Like they're going to be the ones it's, it's, it should be their vision. So in bringing that, their unique vision, their unique story to life is so cool, man. It's such a blessing. Even like you were saying, if it's not the most energizing project for me to shoot a sorority video, understanding, well, Hey, there's a time and a place for that. Like they, they create like friendships within that group. And, um, well, it might be maybe a little tough atmosphere to be filming in. It's, it's energizing to see their reaction to a video that they can be proud of. So, yeah, I think, I think with that one thing, like I, th- I think about kind of, as I'm outside of college, looking back at my friends that are still in college, I kind of like think like I enjoyed that at one point. So like, I'm going to let them have their fun right now. Even if I think it's a little ridiculous now, or like I'm like BGR, like BGR is a great example of this. In the moment when I did BGR, I loved it. I don't know if you had a good experience with BGR because you kind of came in. Did you come in during COVID? 
to do BGR or did you have a full BGR? I had, yeah, I did BGR. So my, my freshman year was all normal up until like that March when. Oh, okay. Hit, okay. So, so you had BGR. So like, yeah, BGR, like yeah. it's a great it, example. Like, see, it's a great example. Cause like seniors looking at BGR, they're like, all these freshmen coming in, look at them. Like they're just dumb and they're doing all this stuff and they, they it's annoying and like they're in the way. But like during BGR, I was that freshman that had the like, time of my life and I loved it. And I love seeing like all these people and stuff like that. So like, it's, whatever you're filming, like, like your sorority videos, like those sorority, like sisters, like they're having the time of their life right now. Maybe not, but they usually are like, they're, ha- they're enjoying themselves and they may look back at that and say like, Oh my gosh, that was so ridiculous. Or like, but like in the moment, let them have their moment. I think that's so like critical. Like when I look back in college or like high school or whatever, yeah. or like, like they're like, I see this stuff and I'm like, Oh my gosh, these kids are like doing this. And so embarrassing or whatever. But like in the moment, you have to think about like where you were at that time. Mm-hmm. because like it's so fun at those kids are having the best time even if you think exactly. it's a little ridiculous they're having the best time and that's like kind of something that i need to think about more as i like, do this work is like let them have their fun and capture their fun yeah bro it's that same concept like if you just keep moving back like grade school high school it's like grade school you're in third grade and you have like uh you know you have a water balloon fight at school one day and it's like yeah. you're looking forward to that day it's just, that that day oh, means yeah. everything to you in the moment you know yep. obviously looking back once you get older you mature and grow so it's just you know it's just yep. recognizing that growth you know yep. it's a time it's and place for everything exactly yeah so um kind of closing on the podcast last like you know 15 20 minutes i like to talk about gear um and i also like to talk about action items for um, the listeners and what entrepreneurs can kind of take away from this. So let's start with your gear. You, you talked about getting your first camera sophomore year. What was that camera and what do you shoot on now? And kind of how have you, like what, what gear do you use? How did you expand your gear? Stuff like that. Certainly. So uh, my first camera was a Panasonic GH5. So I think I bought a camera and a kit lens for $1,500 May of 2020 and that's what i got rolling with and yeah i would film everything with that thing so that's how i started started with a kit lens and then would work my way up i finally got a nice sigma 18 to 35 lens it's a heavy thing but it it has beautiful manual focus um to get like really great bokeh so that was my first like camera outside of the gopro i had the gopros i had in high school and now i'm rocking with Sony series cameras. I've kind of switched over to that. So my, my main workhorse is the Sony a seven four and I'm using like Cameron series lenses. I have a, I have a Sony a seven three as well, but yeah, I've got Tamron lenses and yeah, I love it. Yeah. I guess you want me to yeah, go I, a little more in depth with my experience with Sony and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I love, I love. I'm a Sony shooter. I have an A7 III, um, and a 16-35. I love it. Um, we can kind of talk about more. So you also talked about like a gimbal, and like I assume, uh, you have a drone, or at least you like you work on that. So like, talk about kind of how you've expanded your gear and like what what gear you have. Just kind of go as in depth it as you want. Yeah. So started with that G- Panasonic GH5. I slowly grew that. I got like a nice piece of glass to go with that. Um, and then I got the Ronin S gimbal. Um, that was huge for my film career, you know, getting those stable shots. I was like, Whoa, this is a yeah. game changer. Cause the gimbal growing up seemed like such a crazy contraption. I was like, what is this? So once yeah. I finally had that, it was, it's pretty rewarding from there. I, I kind of just, yeah, I guess i still was just rocking the Ronin S gimbal with the Panasonic camera. Up until I, and then my next purchase was actually a, a drone. So the DJI Mavic 2 Pro, mm-hmm. I think. I actually filmed a wedding for one of my mentors at the time, and he just gave me the drone as a payment because he got oh, he got so like cool. the updated, like newest DJI drone. But at the like I'm I still rock with that because it's 4K, you know, 30 frames a second, 24 frames a second. Like it, it does great. So yeah, and then. Last year, honestly, around this time, actually, in February of last year, I then got my first Sony a7 IV camera. So that was that was monumental. You know, the autofocus aspect was crazy coming from the Panasonic series of cameras. So that was the biggest appeal to using 
Sony cameras was the autofocus that made my life yeah. so much easier. I used to have to rock a focus wheel um, with this yeah. big like, um, like a follow focus. Yeah, follow focus with a huge like I guess like what do they call that? I don't know, but yeah, I was rocking a focus wheel, yeah. so I'd have to spin that to get the camera to get perfectly in focus. And a lot yeah. of my shots actually were in a focus, so just having <laughs> that, I can just tap on someone's face and it just oh, yeah. perfectly keeps in focus. It's great with the Sony series. And actually, this past calendar year, like I'm doing my taxes right now. Another thing you were mentioning earlier with that um, growth and those adulting things that actually you find yourself realizing they're kind of they're kind of fulfilling and rewarding. You yeah. know, I enjoy I enjoy pulling up spreadsheet, looking at my expenses. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, through the past year, looking at how much I, you know, how much I made, how much I spent on equipment, how much I, you know, I bought insurance for the first time this past year. I you know, my memberships to different subscriptions on, you know, yeah. motion array premiere. So I, I, Oh yeah. I was, I spent more money. I spent the most money I ever have, I guess this past calendar year on equipment just cause yep. I've been trying to continue to grow and grow. So that's been, yep. that's been pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, I have, the, I was the same, same way I spent probably like six, $7,000 in gear, just kind of building out my, my gear set. But it's, yeah, it's exciting to kind of see, I always kind of look back on it. I was looking, I was, I was talking to somebody else and like, I loved watching, you know, those like what's in my bag videos from like Peter McKinnon or Matty Hapoya or all these like other uh, photographers that like people watch and like even like tech reviewers like uh, Marquez Brownlee and all these people. I always loved like watching those videos and like, I'm like one day I'm going to have that bag or one day I'm mm. going to have that camera or one day I'm going to have that lens. And one of the most exciting things for me, and it's like, I like, obviously want to have the skills and the do the work, but and the gear is kind of should be secondary to that. But it's so exciting for me to now be able to live that and like be able to make money that I can invest back in the camera gear. Like it's just so exciting. It's like, it's just like I, I dreamed of having that drone one day or I dreamed of having a gimbal. Like that was a huge thing. I always saw a gimbal and I'm like, maybe one day or like that's so expensive. I'm like 1500 bucks. Like maybe one day. That's so much money to spend on something. And like whenever I tell people like, oh, the gimbal costs, you know, a thousand bucks. So the gimbal, the camera was this much. Like they're like, oh, that's insane. But I, I just love the idea that like now I'm doing the work a that I enjoy, and then I can like kind of live those moments now that I dreamed of as a kid of like having these little things, mm. um, which is just kind of really cool for me. Um, but yeah, like the like looking back at like how much you spent on gear um, and how like that the business side of it is um, was kind of interesting for me because I talked to an accountant and I was kind of going over that, and he was it's just it's just a weird way to think about like equipment. I don't know. It was just, the accounting side of it was a lot different than I expected because I was trying to figure out like, like I'm not just buying it. Like I always have to like account for it. And it's like, it's a very like different way. Cause I can't just like, well, I can, I do, I just go buy a drone or I buy like a gimbal, but that's like a separate, like in your business. Cause I'm an LLC. So like that gimbal is owned by the business mm-hmm. and like how to figure that out. That's a weird thing that I, I kind of had to kind of learn about and adjust, adjust for, which is a little bit different. For sure. So going off on that, that's a really good point. I'm I'm getting kind of deja vu right now to when I was in high school, and like the idea of owning a five hundred dollar gimbal or a thousand dollar gimbal was insane. Yeah. I was like, because I remember looking at that, I was like, that would be so cool to own a big camera someday with a gimbal. Like, I can't even imagine. I literally remember working a minimum wage job, like my sophomore year of high school, where I was working at like a Jets Pizza doing dishes. <laughs> I remember that entire summer I made, I would work like two days a week and I made like $500 that entire summer. <laughs> so now yeah. it's just, it's just wild to me for me to think about like, I make that now in like five hours yep. and that took me an entire summer to make. And it's a uh, building up that equipment early on is, um, I mean, it was, I guess it kind of seemed like not possible almost in high school. Yeah. So it's pretty rewarding to look at where I am now and just see. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really rewarding, Um, and also like kind of the idea. I love like looking at at pieces that I want that I know will make my stuff better, and like like looking at it and saying like that's that's realistic now. Like you know, you talked about like nice glass. Like that's something that like it it's worth it to invest in these pieces and stuff like that because like there's always the the saying construction like measure twice, cut once it's like I'm going to invest in the pieces that right now that will give me the most longevity. Like 
yeah, that lens is really expensive. Like, you know, like 1500 bucks, 2200 bucks, whatever it is. But I'm going to use that, assuming I stay with Sony, which I am, I'm going to use that lens for, you know, five, six years probably, because I'm not going to need another 70 to 200. I'm not going to need another 24 to 70. Um, so like invest in those now while you can, um, which I think is, is super, super big. Um, and it, it's going to be hard to like kind of pull those, pull the trigger on those first items. And you'll get a lot of like pushback from people that like, they're like, why would you buy a $1,700 drone? Like, isn't the, the $500 one like good enough? But like, I think it's important to kind of see those pieces as investments and long-term mm. purchases and not just like, you know, buy the cheap thing right now, unless you like really need it for like, if I like, if I need to shoot tomorrow, like I'm going to buy the thing that'll get here the fastest. But like, if I, if I yeah. have some time, you know, I'm going to do the research on the camera I want to buy. I'm going to do the research on the gimbal and like, I'm going to make those educated decisions because like, if I, even if I, I've spent more than I want, because that's going to be an investment for the future, which I think is a huge mindset shift to have when you get into like this type of business. Mm, exactly. And yeah, man, that to go along with that, it's, you know, those, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Those purchases are investments. So you invest in a crappy piece of equipment and it'll just break on you in a year. Yep. Yep. You got to think ahead. Um, so kind of closing on the podcast um, again, thank you for coming on. This is great, great conversation um, and kind of talking about, uh, our different like kind of mindsets in business and how we grew our companies. Um, what kind of tips would you have or action items would you have for business owners who are either like just in their, in their business right now? Um, actually, before we get that, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Um, you're going freelance after out of college um, after this year, full time. Um, how did you come to that decision? Was it just kind of like, I'm making enough money to do it or was it kind of like, I don't want to get a nine to five. What was kind of the, the idea behind that? And then we can get into the action items. It was certainly a little bit of both. So that journey was something I really realized this summer. So this past summer, I had a sales management internship at PepsiCo. Um, I was like, hey, through, you know, pushback from, you know, friends and family, which was definitely, definitely good for me to experience that. They're like, yeah, you should try it a nine to five and just see how you like the corporate life, yada, yada, yada. So I tried that this past summer. I worked a sales management internship, which was, you know, PepsiCo nine to five. Um, and yeah, I guess I just really, I mean, it was at the end of that summer, I was very confident. I was like, I'm going to make this work and go full-time freelancing. Yeah. And it was a combination of not feeling fulfilled through that nine to five position and, um, recognizing I was getting inquiries now at a rate where I think I would be able to make it full-time or at least start that journey and just try to continue to grow it full-time, even if would mean i have to take risks and sacrifices along the way yeah for sure i i kind of so like my my story is kind of similar in the sense that like i was starting to get like a lot of like building out projects and like starting to like for real estate i was getting more bookings or like i had like my, my mom always says like you have a lot of irons in the fire which i, I guess is a saying but like I, I do like i have like i'm talking about all these different projects i want to do or i'm talking about all these different like like personal projects I want to do. Like I have a vision for like a commercial for something that I want to shoot just like as a spec spec work. And like, mm. I don't have time to do that with my current internship, which like, I'm so grateful them for that internship, but I will always be like, they've gotten me like to where I am today. But like, as I like my, my goal is to grow my business. And so like finally like seeing like all the work that I did last year of like getting my name out there, meeting people, going to events, going to networking events and parties and all this kind of stuff. Mm that like kind of seeing that kind of pay off a little bit and this year like kind of seeing like by the summer especially with like the busy season of real estate like i'm gonna have that kind of like mm. that moment of like i can go free time or free go full-time freelance is huge so um yeah it's just kind of like especially when you see like all that like people want to like hire you more and more often and like you don't have the time to do the work that's kind of where that moment of like like, where do I really want to spend my time? And that's kind of the, that's the realization I had with, with freelancing is like, I actually want to be able to spend my full day working on client work the entire time. Um, mm. So that's kind of where, I, that's my mindset there. But um, let's kind of go back to the action items I was talking about. So like tips you have for um, other entrepreneurs, other business owners, creatives, kind of what would you, what would you say to them if they were asking for advice? Certainly. So I would say, I would say it takes that initial first risk and whatever that is, you just got to take that leap of faith and just, you know, trust that 
what's going to happen. Like whatever happens, happens. And like, if that's where your passion is, then just follow that passion. So for me, that was making that Instagram account and then creating that website. I was taking that leap of faith where I was like, okay, this is no longer just me doing this major thing. Like I'm going to try to make this into a business. So if someone's trying to create something, you just got to start it, you know, as one of my biggest word of encouragement. Yeah. And to go along with that, sometimes it takes, you know, sacrifice and, you know, grit to get maybe those, those kickstarting funds for whatever you might want to get rolling, you know? Um, so that might even mean for some people, wherever they are in their journey, like working some nine to five, like maybe working nine to five for a few years while kind of doing it on the side, kind of what you're doing. And then, um, once you have that opportunity, just quitting that and then just rolling with yeah. your full-time position. Um, and then getting those, cause that, that ensures income so you can get the business started. Cause a lot of times there are costs that are required to get, to make it work, you know? Yes. So taking that first risk is huge. And then the other one being like your network. So like your network being your net worth. I don't think I've actually spent, I, I haven't spent a single dime on marketing or advertising. Um, like specifically through Google or anything like that or Instagram. Yeah. It's all just every single gig I've received has either been through networking. It's just been through the process of networking really. So I'd shot a good video for this person. They refer me to this person. They're like, Hey, can you shoot our video? Okay. You liked it. Okay. Bam. Um, that's been how I've experienced the most. I've experienced most sales and gigs is just through networking. Honestly, like invest, if you're going to invest in marketing, invest it in joining groups that you can network with. Like I, Mm. I joined associations and I joined, you know, like real estate boards and I joined like this one group that like the only goal of this group. Well, I mean, there's a lot of goals of the group, but like the main goal of the group is to refer each other to get more work. So like, that's been huge for me. I've gotten so many referrals from there already. I got another one today where it's going to be, I think like if we can close the deal, it's going to be a huge retainer project and like for this business. So mm-hmm. like if you're going to, if you're thinking about spending on like spending money on marketing or like, I want to do Facebook ads, I want Google ads, maybe consider joining whatever association mm-hmm. um, kind of makes sense for you. So like if you're in, if you're like, you want to own your own accounting business, join with the like Indiana you know, like accounting association or whatever there, there's an association for everything. Or like if you're in real estate photography, join the local real estate board or join, you know, the local architecture association or builders association. Like consider that as an investment in marketing because you need to like have your face out there. Like if yeah. they just see a, like if you don't have, if you have your work in a Google listing, that's one way to do it. But that you're still going to need to get like kind of your your face out there and i think that's huge so what i would say is invest in memberships to these associations where you can go to events and do these like groups where you can meet people um because i've gotten great mm-hmm. i've had great experience with referrals from there um getting clients and kind of growing my business that way so um that would be my biggest advice like you talked about like all of your all of your work has come from networking it hasn't come from the google ads and like maybe in the future once i get big enough i'll run some, run some google ads because like i personally enjoy doing that but um i think like in the future or right now i think it's huge to be word of mouth hmm. yeah 100 yeah, percent. and i believe i have gotten some inquiries through my website i've seen i i actually put like a on my like inquiry questionnaire thing i say how did you find out about me word of mouth google yeah. instagram other just cause I'm curious to just gather data on that. And I've recognized if it's word of mouth, that is a high, much higher success rate yep. than someone who just finds, finds you through Google because most of the people who find me through Google are price shopping. And I actually have another question on my questionnaire where it's like, um, how interested are you in my services? Price shopping, yep. um, interested, want to learn more or like we want to book you type thing. And yep. every single time it's through Google, it's almost always price shopping. Every right. time it's word of mouth, it's usually we're interested. We wanted mm-hmm. to have a call to yeah. work with you. So, yeah. okay. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. Um, if people want to find you online, find your, find your Instagram or website, how would they, how would they find out? Certainly. So if you are seeing this through Instagram, I just check out my work on my Instagram page. I got a website linked on there. Um, you can see my work that I've done. I'll put some reels on there to kind of just show snippets of work, but my website show like full projects I've worked with. 
corporate clients, um, wedding video, sports videography, you name it. I love to do it. So yeah, yeah my website, just search Isaac Grouse Videography. Okay, perfect. And I'll make sure to link your Instagram and your uh, website in the show notes in the description. But um, thank you for listening to the rest of us podcast and we will catch you next time on for another episode next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the rest of us podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving a rating or review on the podcasting platform of your choice. It really helps me see that you are enjoying the episode and also helps other people see the podcast. Also, please consider giving a follow on social media. All the links will be in the show notes down below. Also, in the show notes, there is a link to the Rest of Us newsletter. This is a, a platform where I'll send out different takeaways from the episode, resources that were mentioned in the episode, and also uh, notifications about new episodes. So make sure you click the link to subscribe there. So episodes are released weekly, and I will see you then on the next episode of the Rest of Us podcast. Podcast.